Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And the 2015 preseason is now over. And uh, it's been a little while since we spoke to you last, and the Packers have actually played twice since then. So we're going to do the first ever Green and Gold Forever double dip. We're going to talk about the final two preseason games that the Green Bay Packers participated in. We'll talk about some of the other things that came out of the preseason. Obviously, the Packers had a big signing in James Jones yesterday, which we'll discuss. And we'll make our week one predictions, amongst some other uh, topics that we'll get to. But... Uh, Matt, the preseason is over, and that being the case, and also college football starting this past Saturday, for some reason my brain is not computing that. It still feels like it should be in the depths of summer to me. Yeah, that preseason really flew by, and I, it's weird that it's Monday considering we have a day off, but it's weird that there's going to be football in just three days. That mean, means something here. It's It's pretty exciting. I can't wait. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's our first ever holiday broadcast here on on Labor Day. How how are we supposed to celebrate Labor Day? I don't. Uh, I don't. Just don't work, I guess. Okay, just be lazy. I can handle that. <laughs> I celebrate Labor Day every day, I guess. Okay, so let's start with the first uh, of the two preseason games that we're going to talk about, and this one was an ugly one. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, uh, back a couple of Saturdays ago, lost to the Philadelphia Eagles by a final score of 39-26, to and uh, honestly, it wasn't that close. Uh, the first team offense uh, giving up 39 points in the first half, so it was 39-14 to at the half, and then the Packers tacked on some in the second half. Sam Bradford with a Madden-esque 10 of 10 for 121 yards and three touchdown passes. Mark Sanchez also with 13 of 19, 150 yards and two touchdown passes. This Chip Kelly offense pulverized the first-team Packers offense, and uh before we talk about the injuries that occurred in that game, that was uh, uncomfortable to watch in a third preseason game that we've been conditioned to believe is the tune-up for the regular season. Yeah, it's a little bit scary. I mean, as we've talked about here year after year, I mean, we don't the defense won't show everything they're going to do in the regular season, but for them to just you know man on man just get beat like that, and um, you know these linebackers are really struggling in pass coverage, and it just just wow. I mean, I, I think this Eagles offense is going to be good. I it seemed like that might have been exaggerated a little bit, but this defense looked really bad. Yeah, and some of what I read about that game is that the Eagles were really PO'd about the loss they took last year at Lambeau Field, and so Chip Kelly might have been game-planning for them, like Steve Spurrier style, to try to make an example out of them. But, yeah, it is a little bit concerning, but... I'm trying to take some um, silver lining from this, and first of all, the Eagles did this to the Ravens and Colts also. <laughs> they yeah. just pulverized them, so maybe they game-planned for the whole preseason. Also, people have brought the, up the idea that the Eagles' offense is so complex that you really need to game-plan for it or it's going to make you look really silly. Sure. And also, Aaron Rodgers had come out strong that whole week about how preseason's meaningless and basically pouting about Jordy's injury, and then he didn't play. Then Randall Cobb gets hurt on, like, the third play of the game and I think that none of the Packers defense wanted to be there none of the Packers players or coaches wanted to be there at that point and they're like you know what we're just gonna stand around and get through this sure yeah maybe it meant just a, a little bit more to the Eagles than it did the Packers and yeah it's uh it, I mean it's tough to just 
going out the next week after a loss like that to Jordy and then see Cobb get hurt right away and still be into the game without the, your main concern, especially as somebody who's got a spot locked up, mm-hmm. to not be to get out of there healthy. And kind of same for the coaching staff, too. I mean, you've got guys fighting for jobs who are going to still play their hearts out, but it's kind of hard to be too into it, um, you know, when everybody's getting banged up and you're feeling like your regular season is starting to get a little bit in shambles. Have you ever played in a game like that where a lot of guys got hurt? Um, yeah, I mean, especially in high school, you know, if you play those bigger teams and it's just a bloodbath and everybody on your team is getting destroyed. So what does that do to your psyche? Do you even care about winning or losing anymore? Is it self-preservation? Yeah, I'd, probably more that, especially if you're already losing by quite a bit, you know, just trying to, trying to make yourself look good and just try not to get destroyed out there. <laughs> yeah. Which, not get embarrassed, yeah. Which it shouldn't have been that kind of mismatch, you know, at the NFL level, obviously, but this one meant nothing, I think, so... Um, maybe there's a little bit of that. So, sure. um, uh, it looked for a while. I know you didn't get to see this game live because you were at a Brewer game, but it looked for a while that this was like the end of the world. Uh, Cobb, it looked like he mm-hmm. broke his collarbone. I it, I tweeted that instantly. The way he got up, the way he fell, the way he got up, it looked exactly like. Uh, this is old now, but it looked exactly like when Terrell Owens broke his collarbone. In his last game with the 49ers, just perfectly fell right on that, right on his shoulder, and looked like he should have broke it. Uh, very similar to what uh, Charles Woodson did, also. Brian Bulaga then had somebody roll up on his ankle. Then Micah Hyde got carted off, and it turned out all three injuries were not that severe, and they all might uh, play uh, in Chicago. And so for a while there, it looked like our season was over before we ever finished the preseason. And now uh, I think everybody's relaxed a little bit, and it was terrible what happened to Jordy, but. It, Everybody else seemed to be just typical training camp stuff. Right, yeah, that Cobb one. I mean, that would have been a blow. That would have, that would have, losing just Jordy, you know, you still have a shot at a Super Bowl, but if you lose Cobb too, I'd say at that point, you're, you're pretty concerned about your shots at doing anything more than maybe just getting a playoff berth. Yeah. Uh, you can't lose both of those guys, and it was, I, I understand he, I mean, he was probably not going to be out there very long, but it's kind of scary to see Cobb out there at all when you already know he's pro- might, other than Rogers, be your most irreplaceable guy at this point without Jordy in, in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, yeah, I mean, that was, when you texted me that, I, I literally just like felt my heart sink and all, like my <laughs> arms just fall to my side. It's like, you gotta be kidding me. Cause man, that would have been, uh, we wouldn't have been able to overcome that. I don't think with Devante as your number one and just maybe picking up a James Jones still. As good as Rodgers is, he he can't take that group to uh through a playoff run. So it's nice to see Hyde playing again uh, in the game they played last weekend, and then Bulaga hopefully will be ready for Week One, right? Yeah, that's what they're saying. I haven't heard anything else, but yeah, that old line is pretty banged up. Uh, Lang yeah. went through the concussion protocol. Josh Sitton seems to have been playing with injury since 2011. Right. Yeah, and they haven't looked that great too, and largely because they're injured. So hopefully they can kind of get that together and get these guys rested up over the week so that everybody's ready to beat the Bears. Yeah, definitely. Um, there were some bright spots in that Eagles game. Brett Hundley, uh, after throwing an interception early on where his receiver fell down, he was uh, 22 of 31, 315 yards, two touchdowns in that aforementioned interception. Miles White, nine catches, 89 yards. Jeff Janis, three catches, 72 yards and a touchdown. Ty Montgomery, two receptions for 71 yards. So some of those young receivers who were looking to replace um, Jordy Nelson uh, all – coming to play saying hey you know give me my chance 
Yeah, yeah, and I, I think especially with Hunley, too, it was really nice to see, you know, although he made the rookie mistakes, that as you would expect, he made some throws that made you feel like he might actually have some potential. Um, just lacing it on a couple of them, the way he was moving around the pocket, had, hit some really nice ones, too. So had a couple of bad misses and the unfortunate interception, but otherwise looked really, really good. Um, and it was, yeah, it was nice to see Montgomery make a, a big play on that long catch, too. So mm-hmm. it looks like we might have a little depth. I don't know if any of these guys are ready to step up and be a, a number three yet, but... Yeah. Um, it at least got some good fours and fives. Yeah, and they'll get some help. Uh, we're we're kind of talking about this chronologically, so we don't just have to count on those three anymore, as anybody who was paying attention to the Packers yesterday, but we'll get into that. But let's springboard into the Saints game, which I had the opportunity to go to. Um, so it's the fourth preseason game. It's probably the least exciting game to go to live, but it's still fun to go to Lambeau. Uh, the main goal I had going to uh, the game was I wanted to try the horse collar after a couple of years, um, which if, you're, if you've never been to Lambeau or haven't been in the last couple of years, um, we posted a picture of it on the Facebook page. The course, horse collar is, gosh, it's got to be at least a foot and a half, maybe two feet of kielbasa <laughs> in a giant bun with beer cheese and deep-fried sauerkraut. And so I got that. It was $20. It was super good. And we split it four ways. So that's like the cheapest yep. meal in the history of Lambeau Field. And uh, so it was it was fun to try that. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I didn't try the Packer Pride, which they claimed wasn't new, but I had never seen it before. It was a hot dog stuffed in a brat wrapped in <laughs> bacon. Wow. So I that... think your thing sounds better than that one does. <laughs> yeah, I thought so too. Uh, but it's always fun being there. Um, didn't get to see hardly any of the stars. Almost everybody who you've ever heard of before this season was not in uniform. But the Packers were able to beat the Saints scrubs with their own scrubs, 38-10, to in a dominating win. Brett Hundley with a 1996 Brett Favre stat line of 16 of 23 for 236 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. And... Uh, Miles White having a couple of touchdown catches. Jeff Janis with yet another touchdown catch. The Packers uh, pretty much holding the Saints' lesser guys in uh, in check. Drew Brees was warming up, and so I was getting excited. Hey, I might get to see Drew Brees for a series, and then Luke McCown comes trotting out at the beginning. I'm like, oh, man. But I don't know how much you can ever take from a fourth preseason game other than if you've been following our podcast the last couple of years. The Packers get to 2-2 two and two with their preseason record, so... Um, historically, two and two is kind of the um, threshold for you don't have to worry about your team being bad. They have good enough depth to get to two and two, and uh, their season expectations should proceed as normal. Yeah. Uh, so, any thoughts on this game as a whole? Um, you know, I haven't gotten to see the whole thing yet. I've been able to watch most of the first half. Now I'm still trying to play catch up, but I mean, it was a little concerning at first, again, with the defense to see McCown come out there and just throttle them. I know they didn't have all their starters in, but they had a couple of guys playing. Yeah. And it's kind of been that same thing we've seen all preseason, which scares me a little bit for the Bears game is that these running backs are just doing these wheel routes out of the backfield and catching it every time and constantly beating our linebackers and Barrington and whoever else is out there. Yeah. Barrington was not out there on Thursday, though. I saw him in street clothes. Yeah, yeah, but I, it's just like it's—they're gonna get it fixed, I'm sure. But it's—it's it's been every preseason game. There's been something like that where they're just these guys getting beat out of the backfield by these running backs, and you're going against Chicago with a guy like Matt Forte, who that's what the Bears do. That's pretty much their offense. So yeah, I guess that's a little bit scary to see, and hopefully they get some stuff fixed. But I don't know if that's you know based on personnel, something you can just fix up. Yeah, and I don't know if you can scheme it really that well either without creating a new weakness. You know, you, you can't just have your linebackers playing the wheel routes. I mean, that's going to 
make every tight end in the world just destroy you down the seam, you would think. Yep, and, and they've got a good one, too, in Martellus Bennett, so it's going to be tough. You, you don't want to just throw, you know, Clinton Dix or, or Morgan Burnett on Forte the whole game because then all of a sudden Martellus Bennett goes off, and if you focus on those guys, you've got Alshon Jeffrey on the outside, too. So it it's, could be a little bit of a tough matchup. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. And again, as much as I have spent the last two preseasons talking about the importance of the preseason and writing articles on the website, I don't know what to take, if at all, from this Packer preseason. So they went 2-2, two and two, that's a good thing. Brett Hundley looks like a steal now, although he didn't throw many deep passes. Um, he looks a little bit, I mean, I'm sure that's kind of the last thing to come at the pro level, but he, he looked very... You know, Tannehill ask with a lot of short stuff, really, really good on the slants and, and really good at finding his outlet, running when he needed to, not a ton of deep stuff. Um, but that's okay. He, he, he can grow into that and hopefully he won't have to play for a while. But beyond him, I know the injury to Jordy Nelson was bad. And I made a kind of a fun Aaron Rodgers earlier in the podcast saying he was pouting after the Jordy Nelson thing, but it felt like the whole team did that a little bit. I know what happened to Jordy was terrible, but to come out and say the preseason was the worst and now we're too afraid to play anybody. I watched a Raiders Cardinals preseason game where all of their starters played into the third quarter. Carson Palmer dove head first for a first down. He did not need a body cast after that. This is football. What do you think is going to happen in Chicago? That you, you can't treat him with kid gloves anymore. And if Jordy would have got hurt in week one, it would have sucked for the season anyway. So I don't... Did, did they play scared this preseason? And do you think that, if so, how do you think the way they played in the preseason will affect them coming uh, Sunday and especially early the first month of the season? Yeah, it's so hard to judge that, to really tell. I mean, you didn't see any receivers, you know, do the alligator arm things or any guys going in for tackles kind of laying up and getting out of the way. It's it's hard to really judge that. I mean, maybe some of the, the yeah. steam was let out of their let out of themselves a little bit here and didn't play quite as hard as they normally did but that's it's so hard to judge or just see from watching the games but i mean um, in 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 regards to not playing their starters at all almost being sure. terrified to put a helmet on because they were going to get hurt yeah and and maybe a little bit i i would think rogers would have played probably a little bit more had the jordy nelson injury not taken place but um I don't know. You'd like to see your guys get a, a little bit more in terms of reps going into the first game, and, and maybe that gets them off to a little bit of a slow start. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's really hard to tell how that's going to impact them until we actually see them on the field. I, I guess, personally, I'm kind of glad they didn't play anybody after that because it seems like this team constantly gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, maybe if you're the Raiders or something, somebody who hasn't gotten snake bitten like we have, you're okay doing that. But it just seems like we put a starter out there, they get hurt. Yeah, it's it's hard to explain. That's part of the reason why I was a little not quite as sympathetic to when there was so much talk from Rodgers and, and company about, man, the preseason should be shorter and this is ridiculous. And, well, Carson Palmer's got two rubber band knees and he's playing in four preseason or in three preseason games. So, but is that a good idea? Well, I, I don't <laughs> know if it is, idea. but it, it, they've been doing it for years. You know what I mean? It's... yeah. I think you have to chalk it up to we've been incredibly unlucky. That sucks, but you can't play like they they're treating it like football is this irrationally dangerous thing that you should never do. If the preseason's so dangerous, why are we playing the regular season? It's going to be even worse. I, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I guess maybe that's something that could lead to 
we always have so many injuries in the regular season too, and maybe that's they kind of go hand in hand. It's kind of what comes first, kind of a thing. But you know, maybe if you played your guys a little more in the preseason, they were in better shape and didn't get hurt so much in the regular season. You know, Rodgers and Clay Matthews never play in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Lacey didn't play very much. A lot of these guys don't. And if they come out and get hurt right away, you could maybe say that's you know a factor in that. Yeah, and. I've always defended the preseason. I kind of like the preseason. It's it's fun to have some stress-free football to watch with your favorite teams and against some marquee opponents and whatnot. But, you know, college football doesn't have a preseason, and it's not like every first game is terrible in college football. And, and uh, nowadays, people don't always schedule the cupcake week one, as the Badgers found out the last couple of years. So... But I don't know what do you, what's the alternative. You're not going to get rid of anything. You're going to have a 20-game regular season. I mean, that seems excessive too. Right. Yeah. It, if, unless you just reduce the number of games, which isn't going to happen because the owners won't allow it, I don't think there's a much better option. I I guess you could maybe go two preseason and 18 regular season, but I don't know. I think both of us kind of liking things to say the same way. We'd rather not see more regular season games either. It kind of throws off all the historical stats, which some people might not care about, but we definitely do. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and when are you yeah, going to start the season? I, I mean, yeah, do you start ideally, it? Yeah. you'd keep it at 16 games and maybe just shrink the preseason down to two. That reduces some of the impact on some of these guys, still gives you some warm-up, but that's just never going to happen. No. Yeah, I don't really know what the answer is, but I think to blame the preseason for what has happened to the Packers this year I think is incorrect. I think what has happened is they've been incredibly unlucky Hopefully that doesn't happen very often, but if this were a league-wide problem, guys are getting hurt, but that has always happened. The Packers, and, and if you think about it, the Packers haven't been that injured. They they had Jordy's injury, and from the sounds of it, the way he tore his ACL, I've heard people describe it like it's a, it's a it was a ticking time bomb, that if, if you are having a non-contact injury on an ACL, that might mean the joint was compromised or it was something in related to his his hip injury that had changed his stance or he had just been uh, he'd been pushing himself for so many years as a pro athlete that it was bound to happen are you really feeling that much better about the season if it happens in week 1 or 2 so i don't i don't know yeah and really that's their only significant injury yeah. at this point and uh it's a very significant one but you're lucky to have I know after that happened we were just like no more big ones and they at least got out alive and it's partially due to them not playing anybody but hey at least that's the only major injury you have pretty much everybody's got one of those Yeah yeah pretty much and but I don't think th- that's not new um in 2000 or in 1997 I I remember that Kerry Collins and Mark Brunell and a whole bunch of these guys got hurt in week one and couldn't, or in, in the preseason couldn't even start week one. I mean, they've had injuries like this forever. So, I don't know. You, you, you gotta take it for what it is. And it's frustrating. I can imagine being very frustrated if I were Aaron Rodgers at that this happened. But certainly, it's not the preseason's fault. It's Chance's fault, I guess. So, the Packers will start Sunday uh, against the Bears. We'll see how rusty they are, having not played very well, or played very much. They haven't played very well to start the season in recent years. They actually have not won a season opener since 2011. So this would be their fourth straight uh, loss if they were to lose the Bears. Um, yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see what happens. We just talked a ton about them not playing in the preseason and 
We'll see if that contributes to a rusty start. But who knows? Maybe they'll be fresh and they'll just tear them apart. And especially Aaron Rodgers, since people might criticize him, like me, you know, that say, hey, you should have played more in the preseason. That's usually all he needs to throw eight touchdown passes just to prove people wrong. Right. Any other preseason reflections from uh, the rest of the league? Um, I, I guess not too much. I mean, the Eagles were obviously like the top story pretty much all preseason, and that's in big part thanks to ESPN, but also thanks to them just killing everybody. Yeah. Um. So like you said, I mean, Chip Kelly's a college coach. I think he, like Steve Spurrier, that was a good comparison you made. I think they might take these preseason games a little more seriously than a lot of the season coaches do. So we'll see what happens when it comes to the regular season. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, as much as that's been kind of overcovered, I am very interested to see what, you know, Sam Bradford does with this offense during the regular season. Yeah. We've we've kind of always ripped on Sam Bradford for being this uber-conservative, um, not very threatening quarterback, but he might have found a really good fit. Mm-hmm. And as much as I hate to say it, it looks like they might have something kind of special and, I don't know. Other than that, I guess not too much. It'll be interesting to see what kind of a team the Broncos put out on the field with uh, with however Peyton Manning's feeling. And, yeah. and Tom Brady, obviously, is going to be starting this Thursday against Pittsburgh. So, um, you know, it's, I'm just uh, I'm curious to see about a lot of these teams that have been around for a while and kind of where they wind up. Yeah, I think Sam Bradford, he looked like Oklahoma Sam Bradford. And maybe that's just a reflection of playing with the Rams so long. I know Jeff Fisher has always had super conservative offenses. And um, so maybe that kind of hampered his style a little bit. But it, I think maybe, too, one of the reasons the Eagles were killing everybody is, I don't know, I didn't watch it that much, but maybe they had to play a little bit more intensely because they have so many new parts. So, yeah, a lot. Yeah, so they're trying to figure out what their team's going to be, who's going to start, who's not going to, but... But with that being said, Sam Bradford looked head and shoulders better than Mark Sanchez, but Sanchez didn't look that bad either. No. Uh, I wrote an article on Friday that you can see on the Green and Gold Forever uh, website where a, the scariest thing about the Eagles was that their offense seemed to work with just about anybody in there. And we've talked about Chip Kelly, who all offseason, all of his reshaping of the personnel seemed to try, not, not on purposefully, it wasn't the sole reason for doing it, but... He's trying to make people fit his system, which seems to be the opposite of how the NFL works. If you have good players, it's going to work in any system. And if his system can triumph star power, it, it will be interesting to see. And I, I, I think that it's going to create a lot of copycats. And it's going to be hilarious because some team like Cincinnati is going to try to do it, and they're just going to be awful. <laughs> so it'll be, it'll be very interesting to see what happens if Chip Kelly is successful with this. Yeah, it's really interesting because they've had two straight years where they've been good but not great, and it seemed like they swapped out a lot of really good players for slightly less good players yeah. in a lot of positions. But maybe this is exactly what he needed. He knew exactly the players he wanted, and it's way too early to even talk about this, and I think their defense is going to struggle. Mm-hmm. But it's it's real, It's a really interesting experiment. You know, It's something different than we've ever seen before, so I'm I'm actually really looking forward to seeing what the regular season looks like for them. Yeah, for sure. I think they're one of the more interesting stories. A team I brought up on that article was Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City looked really good. They were the only undefeated team in the preseason. And the way with the uncertainty with the Broncos and Denver coming to Kansas City on the first Thursday night football a week from this Thursday, I think it's possible that we could see Kansas City kind of start fast. And with things going on in Denver... I might have to change my mind a little bit. I'll stick by my picks, but you know, Kansas City could be the sleeper champion of the AFC West. 
Yeah, that should be a battle. Uh, I mean, they definitely upgraded a little bit. You've got to actually have a wide receiver for once with Jeremy Macklin, which should help a lot. The defense is always good. Maybe they'll I, run I some still... deep eight-yard routes instead of six-yarders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I'm still taking Denver. I just think that a lot of people are kind of hyping this up and all of a sudden think Peyton Manning's going to be terrible. He's still got a lot of good weapons, and their defense is better than ever. I still think they're going to be pretty good. Yeah, he's got a lot of weapons, but according to an article that came out this week or last, he does not have any feeling in his right hand. But that has been the case for like the last two years, I think, too, though, as yeah. they've said in there. So he's been playing really well with that. He's he's getting old and maybe breaking down a little bit, but he still played really well during most of the year last year, so I think we're going to see that again this year. Yeah, that's terrifying. He... He, I hope nothing bad happens to him. He should quit. If, I mean, yeah, he played great, so it, it's probably prolonging this, even though he can't feel his hand. But, geez, Louise, that sounds real bad. <laughs> yeah, so uh, if, I have some other thoughts on that. Uh, you can go to the website and, and read some more of that. But I think uh, what we'll have to do here is yeah, I'm just this is a terrible transition to say let's pick for week one. Um, I don't have in front of me our schedule from last year or our picks actually i can get it up real quick uh, also while i get the schedule here so last year matt and i picked every game matt barely eked out a win over me 168 87 and one was matt's record and i was 163 92 and one but i'm coming back this year i'm gonna take the crown all right let's see it speaking of stupid competitions did you see the, <laughs> <laughs> the the buffalo wild wings uh commercials with fantasy football have been kind of funny um I saw one with Bill Cowher the other day, and it was just really simple, but it made me laugh really hard because he they, they are introducing it like you should come to Buffalo Wild Wings for uh, your draft party. And then they're like, well, you know, you should – they're trying to introduce an endorsement with like a joke or whatever. And they're like, listen to somebody else talk about it. And they show Bill Cowher off at a booth, and he's like, as a pro football coach, I won one championship. But as the pretend coach of a computer team, I've won four. And he like, he's got like four like ring pops or something on his hand. But I just thought it was funny. I don't know. That's it. That's all I have. <laughs> I, I guess I haven't seen that one yet, but it sounds great. What about the DirecTV commercials with the uh, uh, Rob Lowe style with Eli Manning and Tony at Romo? Have you seen any of those? Oh, yeah. It's like the arts and craft Romo and then... Yeah. Uh, I forget what the Eli one is, but those are always kind of funny. I don't know. Not like laugh out loud loud funny, but first time you see them, they're kind of nice. Uh, Eli was the bad comedian. And then there's oh, that's right. <laughs> the best one is short Randy Moss because <laughs> just hearing Randy Moss say it, I hate it when they put the fruity munch on a top shelf. I don't know. I didn't see that one. <laughs> it always makes me laugh. So I'm the idiot who apparently these uh, ads appeal to, the lowest common denominator. That's me. Okay, let's pick our games. The... Week, or the first opening matchup, uh, the Champions Showcase on NBC, is the Pittsburgh Steelers at the New England Patriots. And this is going to be an insane atmosphere. You are not going to see 70,000 more self-righteous people in one place in a long time with, uh, well, maybe till next year once we have the presidential debates and, uh, pro- and party uh <laughs> Um, things, but I can't talk this morning. I'm on Labor Day. We're not sharp enough yet. It's too early. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But anyways, th- that crowd is going to be insane. They probably feel like the most wronged party in the world. Their savior Tom Brady's coming back. Reggie Wayne just quit the Patriots because supposedly it was too hard. So ugh, those people are going to be <laughs> so thankful. I saw he got cut. I didn't hear that. <laughs> well, that's he said it, he's, it was not fun 
to play for the Patriots. And then Scott Zolak, the former backup quarterback, who I think he must be a radio personality over there, said that he had heard through the grapevine that Eddie Eddie George almost said, geez, Louise, this is terrible. <laughs> Reggie Wayne thought the Patriot way was too hard. Weird. So it's going to be real annoying uh, in New England, but who's going to win? This is a really tough one. I'm I'm so torn. Like, just looking at it now, I'm bouncing back and forth. One, like you said, the atmosphere is going to be nuts. Brady's playing. They're going to do the Super Bowl banner thing. Um, but at the same time, there's part of me that thinks that this – Patriots team is not a good matchup for a team like the Steelers with a high-powered passing offense. They lost both their starting cornerbacks last year. Mm-hmm. I think Roethlisberger is going to have kind of a field day, but just based on the fact that Le'Veon Bell won't be playing, I think that gives the Patriots the slight edge for me, so I think the Patriots win a close one. Yeah, and I always forget his name. Who's that other wide receiver who's also suspended? Oh, yeah, Martavius Bryant. Yeah, so it's going to be Antonio Brown and Big Ben. Granted, they're going to get their yards, but I just... I think the Patriots are going to, at home, Tom Brady's going to be all geared up. I think it'll be high scoring, but it could be like a 45-28 kind of thing. Yeah. So I'll pick the Patriots. The Chiefs traveling to Houston to play the Texans. Uh, I, I can pick first this time. I think that I'll take Kansas City. They had a really good preseason. I think they're going to be fired up, and Houston is going to take a while to get used to having another bad quarterback run their system. Yeah, I agree. I think maybe if this game was a little further down the regular season, I think that it, this is definitely going to be a low-scoring game. Um, but I'm not sure if Arian Foster is playing Week 1 yet. I, I guess I haven't heard an update on him yet. But. I haven't. A couple weeks ago they were saying it was going to be several, like, I thought he was going to potentially miss, like, the first six games, but I don't know. Yeah, I think Kansas City probably ekes this one out, like, 17-10, but I just don't think, especially without Arian Foster, that this Houston offense has enough firepower yet. Yeah, I agree. The Browns traveling to the Jets in a marquee matchup. Uh, I'm going to take the Jets in this one, I think, here. Um, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick starting might actually be a blessing for them because I think they might actually be able to get the ball to their good receivers in Marshall and Decker. Uh, I'll take the Jets. That's the first time anybody's ever said that, I'm sure. <laughs> I know. But, I mean, just think about when he was in Buffalo. Yeah, they were. he was bad sometimes, but they still made some plays, actually. Yeah. Whereas you got Geno Smith in there, you're going to go like 7 of 11 for 85 yards. They might actually get... <laughs> Know, get the ball into their only playmaker's hands here. He had some really good Septembers, too. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he always starts strong. Yeah, I'll take the Jets. The Browns are a disaster. Um, McCown is starting, I assume, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, so he stinks. So I'll take the Jets. They they stink less. And they did go 3-1 and one in the preseason, but they only had like a scoring differential of plus 4, so they could have easily gone 1-3. and three. The Colts traveling to Buffalo in an intriguing matchup. I'll pick first here. I'm actually going to take the Bills in this one. The Colts, as the Colts normally do, absolutely sucked in the preseason. But uh, as I, I always, I don't mean to always plug my articles as we talk here, but in case you read those, um, so I'm repeating what I said there, but the Colts have been the consistent exception to the preseason uh, formula that I've always talked about here is they've, had a losing preseason like nine of the last 13 years, and I've only had one losing regular season in that time. So I'm not worried that much about the Colts, but I think Andrew Luck playing that Buffalo Bills defense at home. Uh, the Bills have looked okay. So I, I actually think Buffalo could eke out an upset here. Yeah, I think they definitely could too. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the Colts, but this could be a really good game. I actually really want to watch this one here. But, I mean, 
it's kind of hard to pick them without really seeing what you get from Tyrod Taylor yet at this point. Um, it's kind of scary with the uncertainty there, but they've got some weapons. I mean, you got Shady McCoy, obviously, and even if you hand him the rock the whole game, this Colts defense isn't very good. Mm-hmm. And the, the Bills have Sammy Watkins on the outside, and if Tyrod Taylor can make some plays, I could definitely see that. I just, I guess I want to see what kind of a team they have here first, and I know the Colts have a lot of firepower, so I think that they'll maybe sneak this one out. Yeah, I, the Colts, I wanted to say the Colts are a good team. They're a team that wins a lot, but they're, mm-hmm. I, I feel like they're still that same two and fourteen team from twenty eleven if they didn't have yeah. Andrew Luck, but yeah, uh, they've certainly they've been eleven and five three years in a row, so they're beating a lot of people, so it definitely could happen. The Dolphins at the Redskins, who you got? I'll, I'll take Miami here. I, I think that uh, Kirk Cousins isn't much of an upgrade over RG three. I, I think they still might be okay this year, the Redskins, but I, I think the Dolphins are going to be. A house of fire here in week one, opening the season up here. So I think they're just a lot better. Well, I picked the Dolphins to go to the AFC Championship game, so I can't start by saying they're going to lose to the yep. Redskins. To the Redskins. <laughs> so I, I, I almost have to pick Miami here, but Washington is a dumpster fire right now. I, yeah. I can't. I mean, the Raiders think that they're dysfunctional, so uh, I think the Dolphins are going to win. The Panthers at Jaguars, a rematch of 1995 expansion teams. Um, I'll go first here. Blake Bortles, I saw him play that one nationally televised preseason game, and he looked a lot better. But uh, it's going to be a heck of a challenge against the Panthers. They may be able to win if he doesn't turn the ball over that much, and maybe he's able to get 250 yards and and actually put some pressure on that defense. But uh, I still think they're maybe at least a couple of months away from being able to take down a team like uh, Carolina who's going to punch him in the nose. So I'll take the Panthers. This is going to be my upset pick this week here. I think I'm going to take Jacksonville in this game. All right. I uh, I think it's going to be really tough for Carolina. They have they don't have a run game. They lost their only good receiver. They've got nothing else out there um, other than Greg Olson. So unless it's Cam Newton and Greg Olson all day for like 200 yards, I don't see how this offense puts up very many points. I, I don't think the Jaguars are a very good team yet, but I think this is a prime for them being at home um, to come in and upset a team that's a little bit uh, banged up and doesn't have all their weapons. So I think this is as good a time as any for them to beat a good team. So I'm going to pick the Jags. Man, when you lay it out like that, I, I kind of want to pick the, the Jags too. But Yeah, that's my pick. All right, fine. I'll, I'll stay with the Panthers. The Seahawks at the Rams. Who you got? Um, This is a tough one too. The Seahawks are pretty banged up on defense. I, I like what the Rams did with Nick Foles, but I just don't think I can pick against the Seahawks in week one right away here. I'm going to have to go with Seattle as much as I want to pick the Rams. Yeah, I'm picking Seattle all the way here. The Rams were dreadful in the preseason, and I don't know. If, if, they're still I, – I like the potential. We both picked them to go to the playoffs, but it's going to take a while, I think, for that chemistry on offense to get going here, and Seattle's going to be – Real determined to beat them after what happened last year, losing to the Rams in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's still a Jeff Fisher coach team. I, I love how he is so universally um, treated as this great, great coach when he's coached like 25 years and been in the playoffs like seven times. Yeah. So I I think the Rams have the potential to be a 9-17 and that's going to go to the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to come out the gates and start beating teams like Seattle right away. So I'll pick Seattle. Saints at Cardinals. This is going to be an intriguing matchup. Um, I'll pick first here. I, I'm pretty confident in Arizona. The Saints, you're never quite sure what you're going to get from them. And uh, 0-4 in the preseason. I know I'm putting a lot of stock in that, but 0-4 is pretty bad. They got stomped by the Packers. Um, they they lost to uh, Houston pretty decisively in what was supposed to be the tune-up game. 
And they have a lot of, they're, they're trying to find their way on offense. They got a lot of old parts on offense. They lost a lot of guys. And Arizona looked really good. Carson Palmer looks like he's back to form. So, um, especially at home, I'll take the Cardinals. Yeah, I'm going to pick the cards too. And I was just thinking about this this morning. Talk about a team that's been so mismanaged after a championship. I mean, the Saints have oh, left yeah. a, a depreciating breeze with absolutely nothing left around him here. It's almost a little depressing. Not that I'm a Saints fan, but I mean, you look at this, this poor quarterback who's going to be going to the Hall of Fame, still has a little bit of juice left, and they've given him no chance to win another championship. And, uh, it's like I they're almost it, trying to convince him to retire. It's, it, not the, the Packers didn't do it to Favre, but it almost feels a little bit like you know what, just just you know, there's the door. I mean, you could stay as long as you want, but you know, we're gonna trade your best target and we're gonna let one of your other top receivers leave in free agency. It, it's weird. And I, I know they got into some cap trouble, which is weird to think about too, because it's not like you look at that championship team and see all this star power on it. No. Um, but yeah, they've let everybody walk. So well, they did go all largest. in last year, right? And it kind of blew up in their face. So maybe yeah. they are kind of, you know, Drew, you can stay if you can drag us to something special. That would be awesome. But we put all our chips to the middle of the table and lost. So we're just gonna kind of ride this out now. Right, and if we see more of what we saw from him last year, which was still a good quarterback, but nowhere near what he was a few years ago, they're probably not going to do a whole lot this year. So on a larger scale, the Saints might have kind of a rough year, but I'm going to pick the Cardinals here. Yeah. The Lions at Chargers, a matchup of two teams that I always expect to be good and are never quite as good as I expect. Yeah, these are like mirror image teams kind of. I always think about these teams as uh, right on the fringe of maybe being good, maybe making the playoffs, or maybe being like... Five and twelve too. <laughs> five and twelve. Um, they're playing an extra game, huh? Is they? <laughs> yeah, five and eleven. I almost said eleven, and I corrected myself, of course, to the wrong. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pick the Chargers here, though. Just, I guess just basically because they're at home. Um, I don't know. I got nothing else. These teams are are kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, I don't know. I guess I'll take San Diego. Yeah, the Lions were good in the preseason again, but um, yeah, I'll take I'll take the Chargers at home. The Lions' defense likely will not be as good as they were last year. They, they're they missing some big parts, and if they don't have a, a good pass rush, things could get ugly for them. Uh, so I'll, I'll take the Chargers here for maybe no other reason than I don't know what to expect from either of these teams, and the Chargers are at home. In a very interesting matchup, which we probably won't get, but I wouldn't mind seeing, Marcus Mariota and the Titans at Jameis Winston and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which has to be the first time ever that the quarterbacks drafted one two played each other in week one yeah it's really interesting how that worked out yeah well i think they obviously did it on purpose once (laughs) once they realized that um those quarterbacks were drafted they probably well i don't know maybe they just kind of set it up that way i don't know they had to have some foresight and expect that this could happen so let's just take a chance and put them there right but who's gonna win uh I, i guess i'll take tampa bay i think they probably got a little bit more on their roster right now and i think Jameis might be a little bit more ready to to at least put up some yards here in the first week. He's got Mike Evans. They at least got a little talent around him. I think their defense is a little bit better, too, and at home, so I'll take Tampa. Yeah, these teams both really were terrible last year, but, yeah, I I think uh, Winston has a little bit more around him to support him if he's struggling, whereas Mariota's kind of on his own for now. Yeah, he's got to do it himself, basically. Yeah, so I'll take Tampa as well. Also, they're at home. The Bengals at the Raiders. So, this... This feels like a game Cincinnati loses. Yeah, this is a tough one. I'll take the Raiders. New regime, they've looked okay in what I've seen of them. They played better at the end of last year. Uh, 
you know, the Bengals finished how the Bengals always do, limping to the finish, getting destroyed in their last meaningful regular season game and pulverized in the playoffs. Uh, a lot of optimism right now in Oakland, so they're at home. I'll take them. Yeah, and I want to really bad too, but I think the Bengals win this one. Um, you know, I just think that Raiders are pretty weak in the secondary as much as I love Chuck. Um, they're just not very good, and I guess A.J. Green could probably have a pretty big day. He's either going to have, what, D.J. Hayden covering him, I think. Um, yeah, I don't so know. So not a great matchup for them there. Jeremy Hill could run over this defense a little bit. I think they could put some pressure on Palmer, but which could be their their answer there if they can maybe get Cleo Mack in his face a little bit. But I uh, I guess, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take Cincinnati. It's a tough one. <laughs> I think Amari Cooper's going to have a really good year, but I don't think this is a great matchup for him either. I don't know when this is going to be posted on Labor Day, but there's got to be a new Green and Gold Forever rule that we never record a podcast at 10.30 in the morning. You just call mm-hmm. Dalton Palmer. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I couldn't even talk, and I started talking about commercials, so we're trying our best there can. But, or the, oh, man. But, it's yeah. been a while since he's been there. That, that, that's all right. But he was at the uh, in Oakland relatively recently. That's true. That, yeah, that's still wrong, though. So. Well, at least he didn't say, like, Boomer Esiason or something. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't. Yeah, Jeff Blake should, should have a big game against the Raiders here, I think. Kyle Pickens is tough to cover deep, especially with a bad secondary. The Ravens at the Broncos, which, ugh, that's probably going to be the game we get beamed to. I feel like Ravens, Broncos, and Ravens, Patriots, and Broncos, Patriots, and Colts against any of those three teams. I've seen it so many times, like, even with the star power, every time they're matched up and they, it shows up on my guide, I just am, like, deflated. <laughs> Tired of all these teams. Um, that being said, Denver at home. Um, I guess I'll take Denver. I really don't know what to expect. Both of these teams could finish anywhere between seven and nine and thirteen and three this year, and it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I'm gonna take Denver too. I think, like you said, I, I think the Ravens really, for me, are the the team this year that could do. I wouldn't be surprised if they won six. I wouldn't be surprised if they won twelve. Yeah, just because it it seems like they've kind of let a lot of their offense go. They let Torrey Smith go. Uh, they've got a lot of young receivers, but I really don't know what to expect from that offense. And that defense just, you know, obviously isn't what it once was, but mm-hmm. they've they've still managed to win. I mean, it was kind of the same story last year too, and they were still really good. Yeah. So uh, I'll take uh, I'll take Denver just because I think I know what you're getting a little bit more, and Flacco might struggle against that defense in the secondary. Um, Brian Dinsey, um, you know, friend of mine and, and a big fan of the show, he texted me the other day that the that Sports Illustrated picked the Ravens to win the Super Bowl, beating Seattle. Hmm. Which can't see that happening. <laughs> no, um, I guess the Ravens could win the Super Bowl, but they're notorious for that. I don't know if that's Peter King or Doctor Z, but they have always done that. They they kind of take a team that was sort of a wild card team last year. I remember them picking Jacksonville like six years in a row in the late '90s, mm-hmm. and and if they weren't picking them, they were picking Tampa Bay. So I think they always just kind of try to do that trendy pick, but that's a bizarre one and deviates from almost every other um, NFL preview uh, edition that I've seen. The Giants at Cowboys and our first Sunday night football game, another game that just, I feel like I have seen every single Giants-Cowboys game for the last 10 years. It's always on Sunday Night Football, at least one of the two, and I know it probably gets big ratings because they have big fan bases, but NBC, I don't need to see every single NFC East matchup. Who's going to win? Yeah, this is a bad way to start the year for me with a Sunday Night Football game. It's like, uh, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see Ravens-Broncos. 
Just like give me something different there. I mean, you've got some <laughs> other intriguing matchups, and you got to watch the same junk again over and over again. Yeah, it'll probably be a good game, but I I don't really care to see it that much. I I guess. Um, I I'll go with the Cowboys at a close one here. It'll probably be pretty close, mm-hmm. but uh, I I don't know. I'm curious to see what that Cowboys run offense can do with same offensive line, just a different back. Mm-hmm. I think Randall could have a pretty good year, but you never know. So I'll go with Dallas here, but it should be a good game. Yeah, they were the tied with the Rams as the lowest scoring team in the NFL in preseason. They only scored 48 points in four games, mm-hmm. which, again, they probably didn't play a lot of starters, but they have a lot of new components, especially, as you said, that running game is going to be completely new without DeMarco Murray. So it'll be interesting to see what Dallas is, and I know they're a popular pick, and it doesn't take much to get people to expect the Cowboys to be a Super Bowl team, but this entire team with DeMarco Murray before last year had been a perennial 8-8 eight eight team. Mm-hmm. So they could very easily revert back to that, but I'm not necessarily on – I can't remember. I think I picked the Giants to go 9-7, and seven, but they're another team. They could go 6-10 and 10 again, and it wouldn't surprise me. Yep. So I'll take Dallas at home to start the season. It'll be close. It'll probably be crazy. You got Eli and Tony out there, so hopefully we get about six or seven interceptions, and it'll at least be fun. <laughs> yeah. All right, the Monday Night Football doubleheader, which is a lot better than probably our CBS late game and our NBC game, at least from an intriguing matchup standpoint, mm-hmm. starts with the Philadelphia Eagles at the Atlanta Falcons. Um, I will take the Eagles. I still, for some reason, can't get the Falcons of 2008 through 2012 out of my head, but they've been pretty lousy the last two years, and the way the Eagles were running up and down the field on everybody, indoors, national TV, I think the Eagles could uh, potentially steamroll the Falcons. Sure, and, and you might be right here, but I, I picked the Falcons to win their division, I think, go 10-6, and six, and this is a game that I would expect them to win if they can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, being at home in the Georgia Dome on a Monday night, I think that's a great environment for that team. Uh, their offensive line scares me a lot, and I don't know about their running game at all, but you got Julio Jones, who could beat up that defense a little bit. I think it'd be pretty high scoring with a couple of, just average to low uh, defenses out there, but it should should be a good one though. But like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like fifty one ten Eagles. <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna take the Falcons in a close one. Okay, yeah, it gives us some variety, and yeah, they they could definitely put up some yards and points on that Eagle defense as well. And then the Minnesota Vikings at the San Francisco 49ers. I feel about as much as I can feel for Vikings fans. Uh, it sucks that the first game of a promising season is going to start at 9.20 local time. Yeah. I don't think I've ever made it to the end of that second Monday night game, and it, it kind of sucks for uh, fans in the central time zone that potentially have to stay up till 1 a.m. on a work night uh, to watch you know, your team play. Yeah, and it seems like it's always two West Coast teams in this game, right? I, I'm curious as to why they did that with Minnesota this year. Well, they're probably tired of having Chargers or Chiefs or Broncos at Raiders for the 43rd year in a row. Yeah, I suppose, and then nobody cares to watch those games, really. I know I always watch like the first half, and I don't care to finish it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm going to go with the Vikings here. I, I think that uh, this 49ers offseason has been so bad. And I think, if anything, they could maybe bounce back and win a couple of games this year, but it's, I don't think it's going to start very well, especially going against AP. So I, I'll take the Vikings. Yeah, I can never trust this Vikings team on the road, but San Francisco has nothing on offense that could really put any kind of pressure on them. And so provided that Teddy Bridgewater doesn't completely implode, I, I don't see how the Vikings lose this game. I'm, if it's low scoring, I like the Vikings. If it's high scoring, I like the Vikings. So... I will take them in this game as well. 
So that concludes our week one picks. And this time, as we're talking, I'm entering them in a spreadsheet, so we shouldn't have to wait months and months for me to tabulate them. (laughs) So real quick before we wrap up, the Badgers started the season on Saturday. They had a very high-profile matchup against Alabama. They predictably lost 35-17. to Uh, What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I guess it's pretty much exactly what I expected going into the game here. They they at least kept it close early and made it look like they were competitive, but then the talent just started to pull away and they started to get run over and the defense just didn't look so good there in the second half. But I was at least pumped they hung with them for a little bit, but it wasn't, uh, I don't know, they definitely looked like they weren't nearly as good of a team as Alabama. Yeah, they started okay and very Wisconsin-y where they looked like they belonged on the same field with Alabama mm-hmm. and they kept shooting themselves in the foot with dumb penalties and... But then in the second half, Alabama asserted themselves as clearly the better team. It didn't help Wisconsin that Michael Caputo got hurt right away. And then um, Corey Clement, which people were wondering what happened to him because, you know, last year they decided just not to use Melvin Gordon for some reason against LSU. And it looked like much of the same, but he did kind of fall weird in the first quarter. And I thought for sure he had injured himself just by how he kind of fell. And then they didn't use him much after that. It turned out he he had like a groin injury. So it's tough to beat Alabama when your best offensive and defensive players are not on the field. Uh, I thought Stavi looked good. It's about as good as he ever looked. He made some good throws. I think if he plays like this for the rest of the year, they could maybe even run through their whole division. So that was at least good to see. Yeah. Against a really good defense, too. Yeah. Um, My biggest concern coming out of that is this is another national TV game against a marquee opponent where the Badgers just looked head and shoulders beneath them and I wonder what happens to the program especially since you're going to be gifted the Big Ten West Championship at least once every three years and then you're going to go and get destroyed by Michigan State or Ohio State or if Michigan ever takes off with um, with Jim Harbaugh and what is that going to do to your program if every time you're on national TV because nobody's watching you beat Minnesota 34 to 10 on the Big Ten Network you know, every time you're on national TV, you're getting stomped into the ground by Alabama or Ohio State or Michigan State. If I'm a recruit at some point, why would I want to go to Wisconsin, even if I'm a running back, when I can go to Notre Dame and not get humiliated in the three times I'm on national TV? Yeah, and, you know, to the point I had made to you the other night, too, I think it's good to schedule these big week one games, but I think you've got to kind of pick who you're going to play. Yeah. When your whole strength is your run game and you're picking the teams that are, you know, these southern SEC teams that their whole strength is stopping the run. Why would you why would you do that to yourself? Yeah. You're almost giving yourself no shot because you're just outmanned by these teams. Whereas if you take a shot against a team like a Florida State or an Oregon or somebody like that. Yeah, TCU, Stanford, Baylor. Yeah, just somebody like that that you at least match up better against. You can maybe overpower a little bit. I think that might be something they need to think about here, but... Um, and on top of the, the running back thing you mentioned, it's not like any of these running backs have been any good in the NFL. I would think eventually at some point some of these backs start to second-guess coming to Wisconsin. I mean, look at Monte Ball. He just got cut yeah. as a second-round pick, and none of these guys are panning out. So I, some of these are maybe some bad signs for future recruiting. They're still keeping it going for now, but, yeah, like you mentioned, it could be a little bit more difficult going forward. Yeah, so they got LSU at Lambeau Field next year. Um which we'll see how that goes. And it it's hard because you have to schedule these so far ahead of time. Yeah. I feel like last year's team against Alabama with Melvin Gordon would have had a much better chance. Um, not if they would have played Tanner McAvoy at quarterback like they did against LSU, but 
mm-hmm. you kind of have to get lucky and hope that your stars align when you have one of these marquee teams. If Alabama would have come to town in 2010 or 2011, I absolutely like the Badgers' chances. You know, if they come in 2012 or this year, then all of a sudden it's a different story. So it, you kind of have to get lucky. Right. I realize we didn't talk about James Jones, so we'll have to do that quick. Uh, James Jones was, Matt mentioned Monty Ball as a surprising cut. James Jones got cut by the New York Giants over the weekend, almost immediately signing with the Green Bay Packers. And uh, he's going to come in and uh, help solidify the team. They haven't decided who is going to get cut in place of him. Uh, Matt and I were joking yesterday that Ted Thompson will probably IR somebody who's got a stomach ache today to try to make room for him and save one of his favorite young guys. Uh, what were, was your reaction when they uh, re-signed James Jones, and what do you expect from him? Yeah, I thought that was really exciting. It's not very often you get to see this. They had to let him walk for a big payday last year, and it kind of seems like you're getting back this older guy, but he's still pretty young. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was only away from the team for a year, even though it seems like longer than that. And I think he said that in a quote, too. It seems like it's been 10 years. Um, but he comes back only a year removed from the offense. His last year here was very good, and the year before that was his best ever. So I think you're getting a guy that is, you know, a potential third receiver to come in like that. I think that's a huge win for the team. Yeah. And I'm I'm surprised he got cut by the Giants and the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's only a year out from what we've seen is very productive, and I thought he played okay last year too. I think he's just one of those guys that. Maybe if you see him on the practice field, he just doesn't look quite as imposing as maybe some of the younger guys these teams have. Mm-hmm. I mean, he led the Giants in catches, uh, which is obviously very impressive. But, you know, he, you just might see, look, this guy's got more potential. He's got more speed. Um, but Jones has done it, so I'm excited to get him back on the team. Yeah, I'm excited to get him back. He's a fun guy to root for. I think he'll bring some nice chemistry to the receivers. It'll be nice to have a veteran in there in the meetings Randall Cobb is great, and he's he's a veteran at this point. But just to get another set of eyes that has been around, you know, trying to help these young guys come along. Um, these, I guess, a lot of these young guys wouldn't know James Jones. Miles White was on the team with him, but so I, I think that would be good. However, I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit on the enthusiasm uh, that some of the Packer fans have, and think that we're just going to get the same James Jones back. I don't think he's going to be terrible by any means, but. He's 31 years old, which is not that old, but that's the exact same age that Antonio Freeman was when he came back to Green Bay. And granted, the circumstances were a little different. He was expected to replace Donald Driver, who didn't end up being as injured as they thought he was. But Antonio Freeman, with the Packers, he was even a more productive player than James Jones was. He had a bunch of 1,000-yard seasons. His last year with the Packers, when he was 29, the same year uh, age that James Jones was in 2013, he had almost the exact same season that James Jones had. He went away for a year, and then when he came back to Green Bay, he only had 14 catches for 141 yards. So I, I think James Jones can be better than that, but I don't think it's unreasonable to say that James Jones is not going to be that big of a factor. I think he's he's a, he's a nice player, he's a smart player, but I think as the season goes on, you're going to find that you're getting more pop out of guys like Jeff Janis and Ty Montgomery. And I don't know how many balls James Jones is going to see, especially later in the season. Sure, and I, that's probably the exact same thought process that the Giants and Raiders had too, is you know, we've got these other guys that we think we can get a little bit more out of. I, th- I think he's just going to maybe not be the the downfield threat he had been for a while some of these spectacular catches Mm -hmm. but I think if anything it's hard to just throw out at your third fourth and fifth receiver that don't have much chemistry with your quarterback yeah where you know even if he's not roasting people if he can just you know run some shorter routes and catch some passes and and make some nice back shoulder catches and things like that like he was so good at before yeah I think it's still a win you know I don't expect him to catch 80 balls 
But, I mean, if he can come out and catch maybe 35 or 40 and have an impact, I think that'd be great for him. Yeah, and, and I think that's probably more reasonable. He's not going to come out and have 800 receiving yards and 10 touchdowns like he's had in some other years, I don't think. But, yeah, so it'll it'll be uh, good to see. Hopefully they don't have to get rid of somebody really um, good or that they, that they really like to make room for him. But, you know, they wouldn't have done it otherwise if they didn't think they had somebody that was expendable. I, did you see the list of cuts before before we uh, wrap up? Was there anybody that really stuck out to you? I did. Uh, no, not really. Honestly, I, this seems to you know be one, and maybe I'd, I'd still need to finish my last preseason game here, but it seems to be the one of the first preseasons where there's not a real notable name on there other than Aberderis, but the only reason he's notable is because he's from Wisconsin. Yeah, um, and they got him already back on the practice squad. And he's already back on the practice squad. So no, not really. I mean, I think it's, it's good that they were able to let go a lot of these guys that um, either didn't make a huge impact in the preseason or had, that I hadn't even heard of yet. So yeah. I, I think that's always a win. I think Rajon Neal was the only one that really... Y- yes, I, I'll take that back. I was surprised with how well he played that he got cut. Yeah, and I didn't get a chance to see if maybe he's back on the practice squad. Uh, it's sad to see Carl Bradford and um, who's that other D- Demetrius Young? Is that right? Yep. Uh, those guys who were part of the 2013 or was it 2014 draft? Yeah, 2014 draft that really didn't do anything. So another uh, couple of swings and misses for Ted Thompson in trying to draft new defensive playmakers. But they're later in the draft. It's not a big loss, but sad to see you get absolutely nothing, nothing from, the pick, from yeah. those two guys. Yeah, And they must, you know, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. So I, I agree with you, though. There wasn't it, it wasn't like in years past where Ted always seems to cut like, you know what? We don't want Scott Tolzien anymore. Just something that just really comes out of left field. There wasn't that this year. OK, so that wraps up our very poor attempt at a podcast here on Labor Day morning. But uh, appreciate everybody for listening. The season is going to start this weekend. I'm very excited. I'm sure or Matt has already said he's excited as well. We finally get some real football. And uh, with the return of real football, that also re- means the return of me to KZ Radio. So uh, listen to 92.9 in Appleton and 104.3 in Green Bay. And also mykzradio.com anywhere in the world with an internet connection. And you can hear the Green and Gold Forever preview. Unfortunately, I don't know when it's going to be this week. So I would suggest turn on KZ Radio as soon as you hear this and listen to it all just week. It on. Yeah, just yeah. listen to it all the time. The greatest hits of the 80s and 90s. Just uh, got to be something on there you like. Um, also, you can interact with us on our Facebook page, Green and Gold Forever Podcast on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter, at Green Gold Forever. That's the number four. And uh, uh, we've been trying to be much more active on the website recently. I uh, wrote a few short articles, and I'm going to try to do some more of those things throughout the season. That's Green Gold Forever. That's the number four, dot podbean.com, and we'll have all of our complete archives on there as well as some blogs and whatnot from time to time. So I guess it's just time for the regular season. That's This is my favorite time of the year. I, as soon as the Super Bowl's over, I wait for this week to come again. So I'm so glad it's here. Um, hopefully it's a good one. So for Matt in Altoona, I am Eric in Appleton, and enjoy the 2015 season. It'll go by faster than you think. Take well, care. Well, Eric, and, yeah. and too, just real quick here, I, I assume that we both have the same pick, but we got to pick the Packers. Oh, game. gosh, yeah, I'm picking the Bears. <laughs> yeah, okay, we're both taking the Bears, all right. No, I forgot about that. Good catch. Gosh, this is a morning podcast is the worst idea ever. Yeah, I have yeah. no future in morning radio, obviously. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so I could see them losing this game. If they lost it, it would not surprise me. 
to me, one of two things is going to happen. They're going to be rusty and terrible, and Aaron Rodgers is going to be, you know, 21 of 40 for 230 yards, a touchdown, and a couple of picks, or he's going to throw six touchdown passes, and they're going to win 45 to 10. And I'll pick the yeah, latter. I think, I, I think the Packers are going to win. And logic tells me to kind of pick the Bears here. I mean, after a sort of a rough preseason where you, your guys didn't see a lot of time, you're missing Jordy, the defense hasn't looked that good, especially against a, a pass-catching running back. But then I kind of realize how bad this Bears defense in secondary is, too. And I think even if Rodgers comes out a little rusty, he's still going to have a monster day here. So I, I don't think the Bears have quite the firepower to keep up. You know, I think our our defense is a lot better than theirs is, and I think if anything, Rodgers can outgun Jay Cutler every day. Yeah. So uh, I'll take uh, I'll take the Packers and Rodgers, and I'll say thirty one twenty. Okay. Um. Yeah. I don't really think it's gonna be forty five to ten. I said I think it could be that. I'll take them. I'll take them thirty eight twenty four. So uh, I. Always was nervous about this game anyway, starting on the road at a division opponent that's really geared up to beat you. But I was reading an article on some Chicago outlet when it was announced that Randall Cobb is going to be fine. And the comments were basically, well, that's it. Now we're, we have no chance. Our secondary is terrible. And so then it made me feel a little bit better about the position the Packers are in. Yeah. Okay, thank you for catching me there. I was trying to wrap up the show without the most important pick of the week. So thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Labor Day. We'll talk to you next week. Go Pack. Take care, everyone.